Yeah, you know, I was a fan of Star Wars growing up, like many of us were, like many of us were. And uh, as a kid, you know, you really notice everything that goes on in movies. You notice a lot of details. And that's why, no matter what I think of it now, no matter what I think of you know, the Star whatever the Star Wars franchise is now, what I really appreciate for... What I really appreciate about the original Star Wars to this day is just the attention to detail. And I don't even think it was planned, but it was just they managed to make everything that you saw interesting to where even just objects on a table, even just random accessories that a given character had were noticeable and interesting. Uh, just like, you know, every character who walked by in the background ended up having a chapter in a book somewhere if not something more you know many of them had toys and their own spin-off books and that kind of thing just characters he'd see for two seconds you know but people were interested in those kinds of details it it didn't feel like filler and the same was true just for objects random things the characters had going on for example you know, Jabba the Hutt had a hookah. And growing up, I didn't know what that was. You know, I didn't know what exactly what a hookah was. You know, this is before suburbs had hookah lounges. You know, so growing up where and when I did, it's like not like there was going to be a hookah lounge. Like I didn't go to people's houses who had hookahs. So, you know, obviously I could recognize one. Like I'd seen it in movies and different places, pictures. But it wasn't really a word I was going to know. But a word I did know was bong. You know, my sister was quite a few years older, and a lot of her friends, a lot of her male friends, were heshers and stoners, and they would hang out with me. So I learned through them what a bong was at a pretty young age. You know, I didn't see one. Like, it wasn't that they were, like, using one in front of me, but just they would talk about those kinds of things, and so I had an idea. But I didn't really know, like, what the mechanism of it was. I knew basically what it was, that it was this sort of water pipe. And uh, as a result, you know, I don't know if it was my own, I don't know if I came up with it myself, or if somebody else put it in my head, like one of them. But I, you know, I, I referred to Jabba the Hutt's hookah as his bong, and it wasn't even trying to be funny. It was just what I called it. It was just what I thought it was. Because, I mean, he's a crime lord, it, you know, it seems like he would have, you know, maybe some sort of uh, illegal drug. You know, he might be a, a drug user himself, I don't know. But yeah, I, I would refer to Jabba the Hutt having a bong, and, and I would draw these things. Like, I, I mentioned, you know, the thing about Star Wars that was so good is that, you know, it just made you interested in all the little details. So I would draw those characters, and... I would include something with them, you know, and, and I think I drew Jabba once and uh, drew him with what I called his bong, which was really his hookah. But I got kind of preoccupied with that idea because I did some other drawings of other characters and I wasn't necessarily drawing, you know, sometimes I would draw characters that were just in my own. Like I wasn't just drawing the characters from Star Wars. I would just draw my own characters, like they might not even be intended to be 
in the Star Wars universe, whatever it is, I would just draw these characters that I wanted him to, to draw. And I, I remember drawing some guy, I don't think it was actually Jabba the Hutt, but it was some sort of uh, criminal boss sort of guy. And I gave him, you know, what I, what I called a bong, but I guess was actually some kind of hookah. But it was electronic. It was, it, it looked almost like a drum machine with legs underneath it or like it was maybe sitting on a small table it was sitting on something it was elevated you know it was like an elevated drum machine or maybe even a multi-track you know obviously the buttons didn't look like that but yeah kind of like a bulky drum machine is what it looked like and then it had a mouthpiece piece attached to it and it looked just like a hookah mouthpiece you know it didn't it was just a pretty normal hookah mouthpiece, and then that was connected to the machine with, you know, a cord or a tube. And so it was basically this, you know, at the time, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was drawing. It just kind of made sense in this sort of sci-fi world for even the hookah, or as I called it, bong, to be electronic too have that be some kind of machine you know, I don't think that was something I had ever seen anywhere I don't remember anybody ever <laughs> you know I don't remember anybody ever uh, talking about how oh in the future they're gonna have ele electric or electronic hookahs or bongs or whatever it is and so I, I do feel that that was sort of a visionary moment with vaping being what it is I feel that that was sort of my visionary moment, you know, I, I foresaw electronic smoking devices, which is something that, you know, who would have imagined that? Maybe somebody did. Maybe it was out there somewhere. But I, I don't know why I even did it. That's a thing too, is I don't know why that seemed like a good idea to me. But this character, I remember doing it at least once. I think I did it many times, you know, maybe several. Let's, let's go with three. Let's go with the good old number three. Um, you know, I'd say I, I drew it, you know, I drew several different characters with something like this. And I guess, when, you know, when you think about even just vape pens or something like that, that does seem like something you would see Star Wars characters with. You know, it's kind of even Star Trekky, although I'm, I'm not as familiar with that. But, you know, you could imagine characters in a Star Wars movie in the cantina vaping. I mean, there might even be a character. I mean, the, I think there is a character in the cantina with a hookah or something. A mobile hookah. Oh, is that a mobile hookah? It's a vape pen. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like that idea was completely out there at the time. That, oh, in the future, our smoking devices will be electronic. Because the fact that you can... You know, some of these vape pens, you can control the temperature that it burns at through your phone. Like, like the vape pen comes with an app that you can download to your phone, and you can control all these settings on it, like how hot the coils burn. And I think it tells you how much battery is left, and maybe how much is left in uh, the oil supply, or the, you know, the, uh, whatever it is that people smoke nicotine whatever the nicotine oil is I don't, I don't even know what it is 
you know, I know they make THC oil too. Uh, but, uh, you know, just the fact that you can control that on your little mobile handheld computer that you call a phone. You can control your, your marijuana or nicotine smoking devices settings through that. And then you charge it. You charge the vape pen itself, you know. And this is stuff you can't take for granted because it's so easy to accept that this kind of thing is normal now. And you should. You know, you should accept it. It's not something that you need to put your foot down about and be a total Luddite. Who's like, smoking should be done with real fire. But, you know, hey, there's something to that. But you don't need to put your foot down about vaping. It's not something... That, I mean, if the hill that you're going to die on is vaping, I think there are a lot of hills you already should have died on, <laughs> you know, if that's the case. But, uh, you know, I understand that it's, it's aesthetically not terribly pleasing. It was weird. I mean, just a minute ago, I walked by a guy, or before I started recording this episode, I was already thinking of vaping. Like, I was thinking about the idea of it, which led me to thinking about this you know, Star Wars-inspired drawing I did of a guy with an electronic hookah. Uh, but I, I walked by a guy who was vaping, and his his device, like, lit up. The entire thing lit up blue. It looked like a fancy one. It lit up with this kind of LED blue color. And uh, it's just, I mean, that's just a fact of life now. Like, if you were to see that 10 years ago, even, you'd raise an eyebrow. You'd be like, what is that guy doing? What is that? He's holding, is it a flute? You know, you'd be wondering what this guy is actually holding up. And, and then you see smoke or like a weird, a weird sort of, you know, vapor, a, a sort of a smoke comes out. You know, you'd really wonder what that was. And to think that now we're at a point where it's completely normal and acceptable. And the nice thing about seeing something like that happen, because, you know, so many things happen before we are of age, you know, like so many things happen technologically, so many important things happen technologically, you know, before my time, before anybody's time. And while certain big things have happened in my time, it's interesting to see something from the ground floor. It's interesting to see vaping from the moment it was introduced. Because you see where society doesn't really adjust right away. Like, people were able to do that inside buildings, inside anywhere they went. People would, you'd go to bars and you'd vape inside the bar, even though there's a smoking ban. Even though you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes, you'd see people vaping inside of establishments. Because the idea is that it lets out a very temporary odor and, you know, vapor. But it's not like smoke is hovering around. You know, not that it, I mean, of course, though, I mean, it has some kind of presence. You know, it's not like you're doing nothing. But people were doing it. You know, I used to go to bars a lot around that time, around the time that vape pens were new. And even just, you know, at that point, I don't know, I'm trying to remember if weed had just been legalized. But even if it had, I think it was a few years before we really started to see the, the weed vape pens. Although I remember using those inside of places too. I remember using those in a bar maybe, which of course you can smell it a little bit. But either way, just point being, there was this little window of time where vape pens were so new that people hadn't quite accepted, hadn't quite accepted them, 
but but hadn't also hadn't really established you know a way to police them or a way to control how you use them or where so it was just interesting there was this you know the wild west of vaping in 2012 whatever year it was where you just see people smoking them wherever and then it's interesting to think of that then and then now because now you'll go to public parks i mean it's very common around here i'll go to public parks and they have a sign posted at the entrance that says no smoking or vaping which is pretty absurd you know when you think about it the idea that you know you can't vape in a public park vape anything you know just that's sort of an absurd idea given that it's outdoors and it doesn't hover around doesn't really bother other people Um, But it's interesting to go from seeing it everywhere, where there were no rules established about it, even inside of businesses, and then you move forward to, you can't even use it in public parks, so it's kind of interesting to see some sort of like policy get established around a new thing, Uh, because we, you know, I think are only starting to see that in large scale now with the internet and I don't even want to go into it. That's such a large topic because that is another thing, though, that I feel I was somewhat on the ground floor of. You know, I'm the first generation to where we're just about everybody. Most kids had access to the Internet as teenagers where I grew up. You know, definitely not in elementary school. By the time you're in junior high, it seems like most families had access to that. And so that's sort of like being on the ground floor, but at the same time, I think when you're introduced to something, when you're still that young, it's a little bit different. Whereas, you know, vape pens or something that, you know, only came about after I was already an adult. So it's interesting to see something as an adult and to encounter it that way. Uh, You know, just as, you know, it's obviously also interesting when you're growing up and you're introduced to something like the internet or cell phones or any of that, but it's easier to kind of accept something as new when the world is still relatively new to you. You know, where little kids will just accept something readily. It's why people are surprised, but they shouldn't be when you see babies knowing how to use a smartphone and playing games on them because it's, it's just, it's this new thing. And to us, it's still somewhat foreign you know, even though people have been keeping their phones with them for years and that we've been using, you know, something resembling a smartphone now for, you know, society as a whole has been using them for about a decade, maybe. You know, even though that's the case, like we still kind of see them as a little bit foreign. People who came of age before the smartphone still feel the need to make declarations about it. Like, oh, you know, I don't. I don't believe in checking my phone all the time. Oh, I think the phones are causing more problems. You know, you'll see people kind of protest. I think that's what I'm getting at. People who came of age before phones will kind of protest them a little bit, which makes total sense. You know, it makes total sense. But with a baby or, you know, a little kid today, this is this thing that their parents have all the time. I mean, it's like as a little kid, you didn't think it was weird if your parents had a car. Like if your parents had a car, you didn't, as a, as a little kid, you didn't sit there for five years just thinking, I can't believe this thing exists. How does this thing work? What, what is a car anyway? And you know, there was no existentialism about 
these things that are actually extremely strange and you know not you know not what we would consider nature you know we don't a car is not something that you know you're going to encounter in nature but little kids you know your parent has a car and drives you places and even though it's this weird metal machine it's not that hard to accept that it's real because you're introduced to it as a kid and you just everything else is new there's not a lot of difference between a car a smartphone and a tree i mean a kid comes into the world and a tree is something crazy they never could have conceived of before they opened their eyes and so being a kid is just kind of accepting that all these things all these new things are there because everything's new and the same is true for vape pens and smartphones you know kids kids aren't going to spend years being like i don't know about vape pens i think the smartphone is causing us it's driving us further apart you know kids aren't going to sit there and think that they're just going to be like oh this is available they're pagans you know this is a tool that's available to me this is a tool that's in my environment and it can entertain me you know kids will think like oh you know when when uh, dad lets me use his phone and play games, it's fun. That's about it. But adults do kind of, you know, if you came of age before a certain innovation or a certain change, you have a tendency to hang on to that and prefer the things that you readily accepted. You know, if you grew up, if you came of age you know, before typewriters were invented, when someone invented a typewriter, you very well might have been like, you know what, like, I liked it better when we were handwriting everything. I liked getting handwritten letters. You know, oh, things were so much more aesthetically pure when people were writing things in their own handwriting. Meanwhile, someone else, like their kid, those people have a kid, and their kid just knows typewriters. Typewriters are around, you know, so they that's what they know. And then someone comes out with computers, and they're going to say, hey, you know, I don't know about these computers, guys. You know, I, I kind of like typewriters. And so that's just the way it goes. That's just kind of how things go. I mean, you think about lighters even on the subject of vape pens and all that. It's like there was a point in time where a lighter was like a vape pen in that it was this extremely unnatural to us, seemingly unnatural device that used fire in a way we never would have imagined. Like the idea that you can just flick a switch and use fire for a while and it runs out and it comes in this very strange little device, this iconic little device. Think about how iconic a lighter is. You know, every once in a while you'll get a lighter that looks a little bit different. Like I got one that was a skinny tube and it had kind of a normal mechanism on the top to get the flame out, but the actual, the bottom of it was this long skinny tube and you could see the fuel and stuff. And so it was just a different look and it, it felt wrong. You know, it's like, this isn't a lighter. This is not a lighter right here. But you think about how new the lighter is, even though the technology isn't really that new. You know, it's not electronic. You know, the, the idea of having, you know, gas with you 
that can be activated with a flame, you know, isn't, isn't that crazy, but you know, it is this modern little device, this little lighter. And it's, it is so iconic, that shape, that look, that just everything you can see in a pocket, you know, if you see like a, a certain bump in someone's pocket, you know exactly what it is. Um, but you think about how jarring that would have been. I would say that would have been as jarring as a vape pen, the idea that you have this thing that you can carry with you anywhere, and it's, you know, of course, Zippos, and there were metal lighters before all this, but the idea of a plastic lighter, because, yeah, it's un, you know, a Zippo sort of makes sense, a metal lighter makes sense, because the thing itself isn't going to be burned, but the idea of a, a cheap plastic device that emits a flame and that you can carry with you anywhere and you, and you can get for very cheap you know to me that's on par with a vape pen and just like someone like me who was born with lighters around you know I'm not gonna sit there and say oh you know things are so much better with matches because I grew up with lighters and I think most people at some point just accept the convenience and uh, you know, kids being born today won't see vape pens or smartphones any differently than they see anything else, because I think it does take contrast. Yeah, like some people who are born with something will let go of it in this sort of like, well, you know, I don't actually like this thing anyway. Like we've heard about younger generations, Generation Z, you know, not being on certain social media sites and stuff, because, uh, you know... There is something generational, you know, there is, kids do have a desire to have their own spaces because you think about something like Facebook where it was college kids, it was only college kids and young people for a long time and then it became this platform where it wasn't just everybody you've ever known in your peer group. But suddenly you're connected to possibly every older relative you have, your significant other's parents, your grandparents. And I think that's cool about it. I'm glad that it actually became that. I think it, that's actually what has given it a longer life than it ever would have had. You know, because there's people who will say like, oh, you know, oh, you know, what killed Facebook is uh, having all the old people on it, having your parents on it. I actually think that gave it a longer shelf life because those people are still invested in it in many cases. They haven't pulled some like too cool for, for Facebook or whatever it is. So they're still on there because they're communicating with all sorts of people. They're communicating with their grandkids. They're communicating with their children. They're communicating with their friends. And so I think the fact that old people flooded it actually gave it a longer shelf life. And, you know, and that's a good thing. You know, I don't think there's any reason to reject something like that that gives people access to each other. You know, obviously there are downsides, but you can see where younger generations were like, yeah, I don't... The internet was never about this for young... for kids. You know, the internet was never about, like, oh, I want to be connected to my parents, you know? So it's totally understandable that kids would be like, you know what, I'm not going to use Facebook. I'm 20 years old. I'm 18 years old. Why do I want to express myself in a way that every adult, every old person I know can see it? <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny to think about that. 
So it makes total sense that they would be like, I don't want, even though they grew up with Facebook, like they came of age at a time when that was normal, I can see why they rejected it because it's associated with older people. And, and not even just the old people that I'm talking about, like it's not just their parents' age or grandparents or uncles and aunts and that, that age group. It's also, you know, just people who are Gen X. For Generation Z, even Millennials, you know, there's a divide even to that. Even though I think more people are doing the same things now than they've ever done before. Like I always talk about parents have the same hobbies as their kids. Like this is the first time in history where dads and their sons are playing the same video games with the same amount of passion. Like, this isn't dad playing Tetris once in a while. You know, th this isn't dad, like, wandering into the living room to play Super Mario as a joke for five minutes. Like, we're talking about it nowadays, like, dads and their children are as passionately obsessed with the same video games and how that's completely new because those dads grew up with video games and so on. You know, it's just this, it plays into everything I'm talking about here. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, like, you know, there more people are doing similar things now than ever before because, you know, I, I think the generations have more in common in many ways because they are using many of the same, they're doing many of the same things with their free time. But there still is a need to rebel. I mean, that's what I'm getting at here. There's still a need to rebel, which is why... You know, even though teenagers are still using social media, they're not wanting to use the thing that their parents are using. They're not wanting to use the things that even a generation older than them are using. So that's why you're going to see them be on, uh, and, and this is not current info, I know, I don't even know what's current. Maybe, maybe TikTok, I don't know, I was going to say Snapchat. But that's why like something like TikTok has mass appeal with teenagers but you're not seeing teenagers hang, hanging out on Facebook. Like, they're still wanting to use social media, but there's a need to not do exactly what the older generations are doing. But they easily, they accept it, is the thing. I don't think there's any escape. Like, I don't think there's any escape for a teenager now. And old-timey teenagers are annoying anyway. Like, people who pretend to not be a product of modernity are annoying anyway. So it's all about finding the right balance. You know, someone, you know, yeah, if you were born at a certain point, like, I understand why my dad totally rejects computers, totally rejects smartphones. I totally get that. He's a, a hermit who grew up in an entirely different time. You know, he was born right after World War II. You know, he was born in the late 1940s. You know, he grew up with, with just different technology. And so I completely understand why someone like him is just like, you know what, I am what I am. You know, I am a product of the time in which I grew up and I'm not interested in this later stuff. I totally get that and I, and I relate to it in many ways. But I don't think that you can reject, I guess what I would say is I don't think you can reject the time in which you came of age. I think that's what I'm getting at because, you know, I don't think you need to stay current. Like when I say that you, like, you shouldn't reject modernity, it's not that I think you, you should stay up to date because I'm certainly not. 
you know, I'm not up to date on technology and devices and all the things people are using. And I, I'm reluctant and I'm, I'm usually late to the game. You know, I was one of the last people I know to get a smartphone. And I, I'm not even bragging about that. I'm just saying it as a fact. I was one of the last people I know to get a smartphone. I was one of the last people I know to get a laptop, you know, despite being somebody who's worked in IT and, and quote unquote tech, you know, despite somebody who's done that for a living, I didn't buy a laptop until 2012. You know, I didn't get a smartphone until a couple years after that, somewhere around there. And uh, so I'm not somebody who believes that you have to continually update and upgrade and stay current and contemporary. When I say though that you shouldn't try to run away from your modernity, what I'm talking about is, you know, when you came of age, the world that shaped you. That's what I'm talking about. I don't think you can ever reject the world that shaped you because who are you to want the world before that anyway? You know, how do you know what the world was like before your time? That's why old-timey stuff always kind of bugs me, and I know I sort of run up against some of that stuff. I mean, I think the Every Night to School Night show could come across that way. The fact that I play old-timey music, you know, and, and obviously, you know, talk about different eras in, in American history, I guess, I, whatever it is. Obviously, I'm interested in that stuff. But, it, but not at the expense of my modernity. You know, I mean, because, again, it's like, just, just like I'm saying, you don't need to continually update and upgrade. Like, you don't have to reject the past before your time. Like, just because you weren't around for a certain era of history, you weren't alive, doesn't mean you have to reject the past either. You know, I, th I think you can appreciate the future, you can appreciate modernity, you can appreciate the past, and you can just live in the present. Um, but accept the fact that the time in which you were born shaped you and you are a part of that, whether you like it or not. Because I think when people get really into like acting old timey, and you know, and there are obviously some people who become caricatures. You know, every once in a while, you know, you'd see somebody at, at college or just out and about somewhere and they'd be like dressed like an old timey man like it'd be like a 20 year old guy but he's got his he's got like a, a curly mustache and he's in like suspenders and a zoot suit practically not a zoot suit uh, <laughs> not a zoot suit but just just some sort of uh, old timey suit and and, he, and every once in a while you meet somebody who talks that way too they're young, but they, they use old-timey uh, slang and stuff. And it's just, it's like role-playing, you know, and that's what the, it's like, they, they pretty much are just LARPing all the time. That's the most extreme example. You know, or like somebody who like tries to be a greaser now or anytime in the last like 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. I mean, we're going back now. Uh, greasers were a long time ago. But that's how I would feel when I saw somebody who's like a rockabilly, like a modern rockabilly artist who tries to look like a greaser. It's just like, accept your modernity. 
You know, I wish that I could look like an authentic greaser. Like, I wouldn't, I think that's a classic look. I think greasers are utterly classic. Like, as far as just like a, you know, just sort of a, an American man, I think that's a classic aesthetic, the greaser. But to try to recreate that, you just look hokey. And it doesn't matter how good of a performer somebody is. When somebody from the 1970s onward tries to look like a greaser, it just looks hokey. And, uh, you know, I want to say, like, you know, accept your modernity. You know, appreciate greasers. Appreciate how things were before your time. But, I don't know, don't, don't just try to LARP as one. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel the same is true when people try to reject technology, reject the place that humanity is at, and they make it their fight. You know, they decide that oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reject all of this stuff. And I think it's great to have restraint. I think it's great to decide. Oh, you know what? I don't need that thing. I don't need to use that thing that other people care about. I don't need an electronic fridge. I don't need a vape pen. I don't need a smartphone, although they're making it really hard. They're making it hard not to have one. But you can say, like, I don't need a refrigerator that talks to me. And just because talking refrigerators, or a refrigerator that I talk to, like, people can give commands to their fridge now and it knows what they're saying. And, uh, you know, but you don't need, you don't need it. You know, you don't have to get that. You don't have to have that. But I also don't think you need to make your life a protest of that either. I don't think you need to make your life a protest of technology. I guess if you think it's destructive enough, you know, speak your piece if you think it's if if you think it's a destructive enough piece of technology. But for the most part, just don't think about it, don't bother with it. And uh, you know, if it's useful to you, you use it. But just you have to remember that there's a whole generation of people younger to you, who this is no different from a tree. This is simply what is. This is simply what is available. And if you think that you are successfully fighting this thing, like if you think that by not using a smartphone or something like that, you are successfully fighting that tidal wave, just remember there's a whole generation of people and every other generation to come who that's a tree to them. That is their mother's breast, for that matter. You know, and there's no way you're going to fight that wave. So just, if you don't want to use it, don't use it. If you don't want to accept something new, don't accept it. But if you think that you can fight that, if you think that you can be part of some resistance to that thing that's going to have some sort of meaningful impact, just remember that this is how every process works. This is how everything that goes on in culture, in technology, this is how it all works. It's introduced. There's a period where people don't know what to think. Many people are reluctant. You know, the internet went through this. 
when the internet was new, the big thing was that a pedophile was going to steal your child and marry your wife. And uh, that someone was going to steal your identity. Somebody was going to drain your bank account. I mean, there were people who were so terrified of the internet, they didn't even want to use it. They didn't, even, they didn't want to use it once because they were afraid that someone would be taking everything that's important to them, their family and their money, their children. And uh, those are the core things. So if there's some new alien technology, it makes sense. The things you would be worried about are your family and your money, your identity. You know, it makes sense that that would be what you worry about, the, the things that you are fundamentally concerned about. So something as world-changing as the internet is going to hit people right where it matters. And uh, with other things, you know, I think they don't quite have the same foundational reaction where, you know, it's like when vape pens were introduced, people weren't like, if you use a vape pen, you know, a pedophile is going to steal your kid and you know your wife's going to leave you and somebody's going to have your identity and drain your bank account. You know, it's not like people were worried that vape pens were a slippery slope there. Uh, <laughs> but but at the same time it does jar people. People did and do have opinions on vape pens. There's people who don't like them. There's people who think that you look really stupid using one. But to a whole generation of people, that's just what they're going to know. The idea of electronic smoking devices are simply what they know. And then that goes back to me, you know, like thinking about myself, you know, as a little kid drawing these Star Wars inspired characters smoking electronic hookahs or bongs, as I called them. And I didn't think about it. I just used these characters, you know, just like, oh, you know, it's just, it's an interesting thing to draw, maybe. And I don't even think I thought about it that much before. I just kind of thought, okay, like I'm, I'm creating some sort of futuristic character and, you know, the future involves technology, but, you know, I also, I'm into Star Wars where these characters use hookahs and stuff. So it was just probably just a natural, the equation just completed itself. And I was drawing characters with an electronic hookah, hookah bong. Is that an electric hookah bong? You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was natural. It was totally, na that's what I'm getting at is it was totally natural for eight year old me to draw these sci-fi characters with electric, electronic hookah bongs. And in the same way that it was natural for me to draw that, and I didn't have to sit there and think about the logistics of it or, or what that even was, what it even was that I was drawing, I just simply accepted that it was an idea. It was a creative idea. It made some sort of sense with what I was drawing. And then now we live in an age where that's a reality. Like, I don't know if electronic hookah bongs are a thing yet. You know, I know they have dab rigs. There's dab rigs, which are pretty close to what I'm talking about, actually. You plug them in. You know, people take dabs using these electronic rigs. 
that are quite fancy. They're, I mean, I couldn't even have imagined one when I was in high school, and that wasn't that long ago, you know? I mean, it was half my life ago, but uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Less than 20 years. Less than 20 years ago, I couldn't have imagined that people would be smoking some sort of solidified hash oil out of electronic devices, you know, like basically electronic bongs. I mean, it all goes back to what I was drawing as a kid. So I guess those do sort of exist. And if those exist, either an electronic hookah is already here or it's on its way. Uh, but, you know, it's acceptable if that's what you know. In the same way that I just accepted the fact that I drew that. I just drew it and didn't think twice about it. A kid who grows up with that around is going to accept it too. It's, you know, it's funny what can become natural. You know, it's, it's just kind of funny that certain things that seem incredibly alien, that seem incredibly strange and unrealistic, are as readily accepted as a tree to some kid who's born into that. And this is just my electronic hookah patent. I don't know the way the <laughs> I don't know how the law works. I have no idea how the law works when it comes to patents and copyrights and things like that. But if nobody's invented the electronic hookah bong yet, I think that this is me establishing that. I think this is this is me establishing that patent. I can cite this episode it, the date that I recorded it, the date that I uploaded it, and say that on that day I registered that patent, the electronic hookah bong. Children can run free.